I want you to imagine a group of people standing around a small, glowing campfire. You can kind of hear it crackling as it tosses with the breeze blowing through. And these are men and women, and you can picture them kind of with their shoulders hunched against the cold of the night. They're standing, some of them are sitting, inside of a central courtyard of a large uh, palatial building. Imagine the smoke rising up toward a starry sky overhead. I'm sure we've all been in settings like that in terms of being around a campfire. And you know how the conversation sort of rises and falls, gets louder and then it dies down again. In fact, twice in the last few minutes, a direct question asked of one man has led to that man's severe answer twice. Then it gets quiet again for a time. Then finally, one more person leans across the campfire, studying that man's face in the firelight, and asks the same question again. Didn't I actually see you up there, up there in the garden with that man? Well, this time the man explodes. Damn you all to hell, he says. Can't you hear? Can't you listen? I've never met that man. Right in that moment, somewhere off in the distance, a rooster begins to crow. And in that split second, the man looks up. He lifts his eyes to a parapet outside of the high priest's inner rooms. And there's a man standing up there, looking down. The man above and the man who just yelled those curses, well, their eyes meet. And the man down below lets out a broken-hearted groan, and he runs away into the darkness. Now I want you to imagine, in fact, that same man, but this time he's sitting on the edge of a boat. And he's sitting on the edge of a boat, counting an enormous, miraculous catch of fish that are wriggling around in the hull of the ship. He's counting to himself, 149, 150, 151, 152, 153, 153. Can you believe that? I mean, 153 after sunup. Over there, a few feet off, his friends are all sitting around a campfire on the beach. At the center, the same man is sitting from the high priest's palace, the man from above. And you need to know this. Since that night, since the night that they locked eyes, that man has been beaten, condemned, executed, and he has risen from the dead. And yet there he is. He's just sitting there in the dawn light, broiling some fish over a low flame. He gestures to the counter. Come on over, Peter, come on. So they all sit around together, different campfire, different time, different place. And this time they're just having breakfast. Until that man, Jesus, says, Peter, let's take a walk. So we can imagine them standing up, 
their sandals crunching on the gravelly seashore as they walk off, the wind kind of causing the water to lap up against the shoreline. and They're just taking a walk. When Jesus says, Simon, do you love me? And Simon Peter replies with all his typical drama, yes, Lord, of course, you know I do. Then feed my sheep, Jesus says. Three times he does that. Three times he asks the same question with the same searching look in his eyes. And three times Simon Peter reacts just as almost violently, excitedly to reaffirm his love, his affection, his care for the one he denied. Until finally the last time, Jesus then says, I I tell you what, Peter, when you were younger, you always did what you wanted. But someday, you will be taken in hand and you'll be led where you don't want to go. But Peter, you must follow me. In which moment, Peter then turns around, sees John, his former fishing partner, and says to Jesus, yeah, but what about him? Well, now I want you to imagine the same man. This time he's standing in the cool morning air in Jerusalem. He's standing actually up above. He's up on a balcony and he's overlooking a crowd of thousands of people right there in the center of Jerusalem. His shoulders are back. His countenance, the only way to describe it, it's just beaming with glory. I mean, his spirit, the spirit with which he's standing up there, up above, it's really a new spirit. It's, it seems to command the entire area. Everyone has silenced. His voice is booming out over the crowd. Men of Israel, I beg you to listen to my words. Jesus of Nazareth was a man proved to you by God himself through the works of power, the miracles, and the signs which God showed through him here amongst you, as you very well know. This man, who was put into your power by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed up and murdered. And you used for your purpose men without the law. But God would not allow the bitter pains of death to touch him. No, he raised him to life again. And indeed, there was nothing by which death could hold such a man. Friends, I have just described to you three instances in the human life of Peter. And they were over the course of, if you think about it, one very busy month in his life. But did you know this? I also described to you the three states of all mankind. Under sin, under the religious spirit, or under the new way of Jesus. You see, first, sin is the name for trying to self-sanctify or save one's skin by an entire recourse to the self. In other words, the way of the flesh, the way of the instincts. So yes, sin will always deny God. And did you know this? It will also always curse all the others around you. And yet interestingly, 
It has always been and will always continue to be conducted under the direct loving gaze of God, even if the sinner never lifts his or her eyes. That's the first one. Now, religion is the patterning of understandings and behavior that tries to wrap the human mind and experience around the existence of God and vice versa. It is trying to attain to God using human means and arguments. And I'm sure you've noticed this. It tends to focus on unnecessary uh, peculiarities. It contains human hierarchies and constant comparisons. I mean, like Peter on the beach, its highest goal is self-justification. That's the way of religion. But (laughs) the way of Jesus is the whole life of Jesus inside his followers. It has had done with sin. It has no need for religion. You cannot be holier than he makes you. You cannot get closer than he gets you. It is heaven upon earth. So, you might be asking yourself, why am I giving you this preamble? Well, because if you happen to be with us at Anchor last week or you listened along with the podcast as we kind of got going again, we're going to be taking a series of weeks to really do business with all the glories of Romans 8. And that's because I would call that chapter, this chapter, the great, I don't know, asystemic, systematic theology in all the writings of Paul the Apostle. Or in other words... Everything about the new covenant and its meaning is in this chapter. It's just in a slightly unordered ordering of events. Like for instance, there is one, a baseline, a non-negotiable new starting position. Two, a vision of humanity's past and the reason for and reality of Jesus's incarnation. Three, the cross the only means for reconciliation. Four, the Holy Spirit, the move of God from the external to the internal. Five, union, the meaning of a life in perfect unity with God. And finally, six, the call of God through Jesus to his followers, meaning how we're now meant to live. So, This week at Anchor, now on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the baseline. And I described just moments ago, those three positions, the three estates of all mankind. Do you remember? Under sin, under religion, under the way of Jesus. Well, now here's what I want you to listen to. I talked about an unordered ordering. Well, listen, I want you to listen to the opening and closing of Romans 8, like how its bookends actually set the bar for how we're supposed to live, understand ourselves, understand God, understand the way God and man may now interact under the way of Jesus. So listen, this is the beginning and the end. No condemnation now hangs over the head of those who are in Christ Jesus. And then the ending. I have become absolutely convinced that neither death nor life, neither messenger of heaven nor monarch of earth, neither what happens today nor what may happen tomorrow, neither a power from on high nor a power from below, nor anything else in God's whole world has any power to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord.
Friends, that is the way, the way of Jesus works in us. Like that is our new baseline, our threshold for our life in him. Just what I just read you. And in fact, by way of contrast, how do you think the opening and closing of Romans 8 would sound if they were under sin or under religion? I think I can answer that. Think about it this way. Sin. Here's how it would read. Condemnation now and forever, hangs over the head of all men, women, and children. That's sin. And how about religion? Well, there is a tenuous balance of condemnation and freedom hanging over the head of those who are specifically diligently observant toward that individual's religious view of absolution. However, they will decide which way the scales tip. (laughs) Friends, remember This is our baseline, our threshold. Hear it again. No condemnation now hangs over the head of those who are in Christ Jesus. But what about the ending? I mean, how would that sound under the way of, say, sin, the way of religion? Well, how about this would be it for sin, I think. It is my personal experience that death and life, heaven and earth, the present and the future, spiritual concepts and earthly ideals, and everything else in the whole world all conspired to separate me both from any idea of God and also from the true connection I desire with my fellow man. That's what sin does. But what about religion? I think it says, I have become moderately convinced That death and life, angels and rulers, today and tomorrow, spiritual powers and earthly principalities, and the rest of what life throws at me can all be kept at bay, held off at arm's length, if I'm only able to appease God by virtue of my religious exercises. (laughs) Friends, doesn't that sound terrible? Because I want you to hear what it says in actuality again. Paul wrote... I have become absolutely convinced that neither death nor life, neither messenger of heaven nor monarch of earth, neither what happens today nor what may happen tomorrow, neither a power from on high nor a power from below nor anything else in God's whole world has any power to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. My friends, the degree to which any sense of condemnation hangs over our daily life is the degree to which we're not yet fully understanding the good news of Jesus. Condemnation is an untruth about your position, whether that's self-condemnation or some sense of uh, cosmic condemnation. And our nagging doubts about anything else in all the world or in heaven or in life separating us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, in essence, thinking that the man by whom we're now free of condemnation could ever be removed from us or us from him, all those thoughts, all those doubts are wrong. Nothing can separate you from Jesus. Nothing can separate Jesus from you. You shall never again be condemned. Love is the whole story and the whole ending in Jesus. So, in the weeks to come, we'll be talking about the other five portions of Paul's asystemic, systematic theology of Romans 8, like how it all works. But today, right now as you're listening to my voice, I would say it this way, your only job 
Like my only goal is that you would receive these words as the baseline of your new human existence, the truest thing about the truth in which you now stand. Friends, listen again. Last time, no condemnation now hangs over the head of you who are in Christ Jesus. I have become absolutely convinced that neither death nor life, neither messenger of heaven nor monarch of earth, neither what happens today nor what may happen tomorrow, neither a power from on high nor a power from below nor anything else in God's whole world has any power to separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, I wish we were together right now because I would love to hear what you're hearing as we depart, as we jump off from that being our baseline. Friends, let's go live that. Let's go enjoy it. Let's go abide in it. Thanks for listening.